welcome back to Riffs and Scripts. Um, this week we are talking about use of music in film. Music in film, which Cole, you're really excited about. I am excited about it. I'm I'm excited about how we can relate it to what we do. Um, I suppose you know you've always been a big fan of musical theatre, so that's gonna that's gonna filter in. There's a bit of a thing I'm there. Sure but it I, will, I, yeah. You know, uh, for me, music in film was a bit of a kind of awakening for me um and has really affected a lot of what i do um I a think, lot of where i go for certain things it's, i think it's, before it, we get into the nitty-gritty the thing the great thing about film is it's very very accessible yes. to see a show or a gig or you know something live you have to have been there on that particular day yep. and seen it that day that way um or i know you have albums as well but film is just so in pop culture we all saw films as little kids we all went to the cinema when we were 13 so it's a really good way of introducing you to the creative world well, absolutely more than that um there's a phenomenon in recorded music uh that's used in a lot of data sheets and a lot of, of, of how people describe different people who listen, listen to music there's a type of person called a gatekeeper now when you hear the term gatekeeping you think people this is people rejecting other people no no this isn't quite the case in in this kind of little thing um this is like a person who s loves just listening to things they've never heard of and, and and reading magazines and finding out bands that way and the thing is that not everyone has that person in their life so for me Nath was that person in my life so um when i was trying to learn about new and un unusual bands and things that I, you know no one else heard of Nath would be the person who'd filter that information to me. But in film, as you say, it's very accessible. Everyone sees films. Films come out, they become a thing that everyone experiences, you know, and there's only so many on the go at a certain time. You know, mm -hmm. pre-COVID, you know, you'd go to a cinema and maybe there'd be five big films that everyone has heard is out at the moment, you know, and then it becomes a kind of unifying social thing. So it means that... Uh, you know, culture can be a bit weird and amorphous because everyone starts referring to the same thing. Um, and you want diversity in, in 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 music particularly, but you want diversity in every kind of bit of art. Bit of art. But yeah, today I just wanted to talk about some of the things that when I was growing up, we talked recently about the five albums that were important to me growing up, and um, I was really excited when we uh, decided to do film music because for me. Um, there was huge moments in my life that film music has um, really pushed me towards music. And um, I will start off with um, the one that completely changed my outlook. Before you do that, music. just re really yeah. quick interjection yeah, 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 from me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't know why I didn't say this sooner, but I've also acted yeah. in film. So I'll yes. sprinkle it with a bit of yes. film acting as we chat. <laughs> It was because, do you know why, what made me think that was when you said um, the gatekeeper. So in, in film acting, uh, there's this thing called check the gate. Have you ever heard that phrase? No. So the gate is a part of the camera. And basically when you hear a director say check the gate, that means I really liked that take. Make sure it isn't wrecked. So um, obviously I, I, I'm a bit behind the times because I haven't done film acting in like over 10 years. And obviously the technology has developed so much, but... Um, so I, I can't say a huge amount of how it all works when it's fully digital, but back in the day, or if you're using slightly older cameras, the gate of the camera, you had to make sure it was clean. It was, it was like right in before the lens. And because if there was dust or a hair or anything like that, you couldn't use the take. So if you really like to take, the director would go check the gate. In other words, make sure we can use that. 
and then if the gate wasn't clean you had to do it again and that i remember really cool. i was quite young when i did the film and um it was strange what film was it what, what film was it <laughs> why why have you asked me because <laughs> because you haven't told anyone yet it's because it's really bad <laughs> I mean, we were we were in a terrible film. No, we, we were. Oh, we no, didn't yeah. say. Oh yeah, I, I have done film work since then, but it's been it's been extra work. Yeah, we look, were. Do you know what the, the diplomatic way of saying the film was bad is? You can just say, look, it, it didn't do well. It didn't do well in the box office because that's it just facts. Well. That is just. And, and it didn't it didn't reflect on your you know. Now I'll talk about it. I'll talk about it. So I was in um I was in a film. I was thirteen when we filmed it. Uh, so it was part of my child acting days. It was with Billy Zane and Kelly Brook back in the day when they were engaged. The hot gossip. Um, it's called I, Fish... I have no frame of reference, but continue. Oh, some people will, though. Don't worry. That's um, right. Other people are morons. It's called Fish Tales, And the basic plot is a guy is a classics professor he goes to greece to do research and his daughter goes with him and the daughter goes swimming and befriends a mermaid it's kind of got like you know do you remember splash it's comparable to splash like yeah, the yeah. <laughs> oh no don't so like the film didn't do that well there was well, a little have, like a college professor and he fucks off to greece and then there's like a mermaid <laughs> Write that shit down. Write that shit down, mate. That's a fucking great idea. Don't. That's fucking great. Anyway. um, (laughs) Look, there's a little... Do you know... Okay, we all have it. If we were the right age, there would be rubbish independent films that we liked because we were the target audience that year. So there is like one tiny minuscule age group of kids that did like it and I did get... I got some fan mail about it and stuff. And I had kids coming up to me going, you were in that film. But after a year or two, it's kind of dead in the water. (laughs) Dead in the water. (laughs) No, Can you imagine if that was the ending? Oh my God. And then, and then Kelly Brook, the mermaid gets harpooned. (laughs) (laughs) And then she gets fucking shot. Um, But yeah, so it was, it was an amazing experience and I learned a lot about acting in film. Um, So yeah, I'll I'll kind of come back to the acting side of it as we chat about music and film because why not? That's what I can contribute. That's totally throwing me off. That was a brilliant. I loved it. Oh, I by can't the way, believe- I was in this film. It was shit. It was shit. I'm they like, got high and they just wrote the script. I never That's said they happened. got high. You said they, they got did. high. They did. No they one got did. high. They definitely got high and wrote a script. That's what happened. That's how it works. Uh. That's how it works. Okay. Anyway. Fuck me sideways. Anyway, God. speaking of music and film, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, my a big a big part of my musical awakening growing up, and not not just really to do with film music, um, though I love film music, and I, I've I've been writing a lot of stuff that's not like you know songs. I've been writing a lot of stuff to be used uh, in games and 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 things like that. But um, uh, Back to the Future was a huge huge thing for me huge like a really important part of my life and weirdly i hadn't seen the first one i realized recently when i bought them all again about five years ago i'm sorry you you haven't what no i have i've seen all of them so i i I mean i i had seen them all but the one that we had on vhs that we had taped off the tv was back to the future 2 which is the worst one what the fuck did you just say? I said it's the worst the one. Fu- oh wow! Are we about one. to are we about what to fall out on the podcast? Fuck is that? It's there the is worst, no one. worst one. There, there is, is a no worst, worst one. Oh. We're Back to the Future. There oh. is one, two, bitch, and three, bitch, and they're all the same fight. entity. I there will is fight no- you. Oh fucking hell! Oh fuck me! <laughs> it's about to kick off, mate. 
So that's the end of Riffs and Scripts, everyone. I hope you had fun. You said Back to the Future 2 was the worst one. They're all the best one. They're not all the best one. That's an insult to the first one. Ow! Fuck, I hit my head. Yeah, see, even from here, social distance, I hurt you. Do you know what? Do you know what? If there's anyone that's the worst one, it's the third one, which is also the best one, and not the worst one or best one because they're all the same. They're fucking brilliant. They're not But it will be the third one because that's the only one that doesn't actually fit into the 1955 continuity, okay? Because it doesn't really matter. Whereas whereas the other ones, it all fucking... um, pulls in mate that's oh i'm so cross here's the thing about back <laughs> oh, to the future oh i'm so cross <laughs> I'm, I'm really grumpy here's the thing from back to the future they cast the someone else ever they cast someone else to play marty mcfly and uh and he fucked off so they, they got marty mcfly um, to they got michael, michael j Foxen fox to do it yeah he's a when legend when they originally wrote it it wasn't going to be a delorean it was going to be a phone booth like in bill and ted you know why the fuck they thought that was a good idea? Fucking morons. <laughs> oh, I'm so angry. Oh, it's really set me off. Oh, I'm all fucking fighting now. So, Jesus okay, Christ. let's let's cheer you right, up. Right, How right. good is so, the music in Back to the Future, Cole? It's so good. There we so, go. Alan's, Alan Silvestri wrote this incredible score. Um, ba, ba, da, ba, 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 ba. You can you can hum and it don't really really well written music and uh, it's used so beautifully in the film. To, to signify these amazing like heroic moments like the bit where he and then he jumps on the thing and then there's the manure truck and he avoids it and da, 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 da. oh it's so good but um other than that and he actually did it really well in the third we he started incorporating all those um kind of western old western elements but still had the same core music so really 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 well done but for me as everyone will know it's the scene at the um dance the under the sea dance where he plays Johnny Be Good. And um, you hear um, Chuck Berry's cousin, cousin is the guitarist in the band who's bust his hand up so he can't play guitar, so he's get, getting Michael uh, Mike McFly to play guitar. And he goes, hey, Chuck, Chuck, it's your friend Marvin Berry, or whatever his first name was, something Berry. You know that new sound you're listening to? Listening for? Listen to this. And then he invented... The, it's like a paradox yeah. thing. I think that's so funny. The it's time a lovely travel little, paradox. Lovely little time travel 80s movie trope. Yeah. But for me, I that was where I discovered my love of 50s rock and roll. And that that that, that was the only way I really got exposed to it. I mean, Elvis was a thing in my house and um, blues has always been a big part of my life. My dad is an amazing uh, blues pianist. Um, and... Um, Sadly, he doesn't do it as much anymore. But I'm trying to make him do it. So you know, he's 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 probably where I got a lot of get a lot of the creativity, weirdy nut stuff. You know, uh, my dad my dad's a painter. He's an artist. Really, really good. Really, really good. But um, growing up in the house, blues and him mucking about on the piano was always a thing. And my uncle was in a rock and roll band. Um, he actually played with Crazy World of Arthur Brown. If you've ever heard of them. Um, okay, you know Hot Fuzz, another film with amazing use of music. Hot Fuzz. Um, I know it well. And they use it so well to say really subtle things about who the murderers are. And blah, blah, blah. oh, you know, there's the bit where the house blows up and he drives past it, and the the car radio goes fire. Do do do. I'll take you to burn. That was the band that my uncle was later in. Um, That's cool. So that's that's Little a bit artsy of fun. family. Yeah, yeah. So um yeah, you know, that was a big musical awakening for me, um, Back to the Future, and that's really what kind of got me into rock and roll music. It's how weird that is. But I mean, because I hadn't had the first film in my life, I didn't have things like Power of Love and uh, Donnie Money. 
don't need fame you know oh um, i love that song which is so great but it's it's a huge huge um part of that first film uh which i didn't realize because and the, sorry the one sorry just so to much, check the second one when in back to the future 2 is there such an iconic scene sorry help me out here when well i mean th- what do you mean you're saying they're he all plays, as, you're saying they're the all guitar. as good as each other and you're talking about how phenomenal and groundbreaking the first one was and i'm just wondering when that happens in the second one what do you mean what, what when what happens when there's anything an amazing good scene. Any, <laughs> any amazing scene anything to do with the hoverboards the jaws oh thing when it comes out the thing and it says it still doesn't look real <laughs> and i see that when i look at uh, uh, adverts in, in fucking you look at Times square and shit you know it's the uh, same same thing you know oh my god there's so much they also just film. straight for up example knock- for example did you know what have i alternate 1980s character biff is based on donald trump i did know that he, yeah and how they look exactly the same and yep. he's but um you know it's full of cool stuff and he says you know uh, and this stuff about i killed your dad with this very gun and it's like whoa you know and uh what happens to his family it's it's a great film and they had to reshoot that one scene <laughs> they recast the, the actress who played the girlfriend and they reshot the entire scene um, frame for yeah frame. the entire one scene where they knock her out and she's unconscious for the whole film because yeah, they funny. wrote themselves into a corner with the end of the first one and we're like oh shit just make her faint and leave her on a bench for the whole film yeah, it's, that's it. awful yeah i don't care um by the way before i forget uh okay have you seen before peaky blinders have you seen peaky blinders i'll get them peaky blinders um yes yes okay I, I, that, that, massive... was my, that was my sam what's it face um northern irish guy massive Catholic. spoiler for peaky blinders i'm about to Wait, say i've not seen the last series are you gonna see the last series i can't remember what, i don't think it was that. i'll shut up then Okay, There's no, a really no, 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 good fine. use of music in it. A really stunning... Tall, handsome man, dusty, white, cold, with a red right hand. Brilliant use of music in the whole of that. They use so many great bands, but continue. Just tell me. I don't care. Um, One sec. I'm going to quickly check which series of Peaky Blinders... Oh, Peaky Blinders has amazing use of music. They, they do so much, and for some reason it all fits, even though it's modern music. Um, beginning of... I'm about Britain. to talk about um the beginning of season four. Have you seen season four? Yep. Okay, great. Anyone who hasn't seen season four, skip a little bit. So, um, you know how there was this beautiful storyline of the fact that... um. The brothers had had nearly died and they any any time they had after the war, they considered a bonus. So there are yeah. moments where uh, you, they think they're going to die and they mutter in the bleak midwinter to themselves. Yeah. But then they don't die and they survive. Right. There was yeah. a there was really I thought that was really beautiful. And then and then there was a scene where. First of all, I'm really, I, I'm, I think I'm getting quite good at understanding what a writer is telling you. So there was a bit where I was like, ooh, John seems way too happy right now. We've just seen him be happy yeah. with his wife. That's not a good sign. Spoilers. But also, I said spoilers, but also um, I know the song in the bleak midwinter because I went to a Catholic school and there was this point where Catholic. I think it was just a little one-handed bit of piano started playing in the bleak midwinter and music tech boyfriend had already seen it so it, it was okay that i played detective a little bit he'd seen it and i hadn't and we, I, you could just hear that little do 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 and i was like that's in the bleak midwinter and then i was like one of them's about to die and john was the only one who hadn't had a moment of accepting yeah. death and saying it to himself so i was like it's gonna be him it's gonna be him and it happened in blah, the next blah, scene blah, 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 and blah, i was blah, like blah. yeah 
<laughs> not yet. I was really sad when he died. I'm so but, glad he's dead. But the, the use of that music was stunning. The artistry oh, yeah. behind Peaky Blinders like, is actually amazing. The, the whole sound design we've talked about before. And we, we were talking earlier before we started about the use of silence. And Peaky yes. Blinders does that really well. It does. I, 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 just a side note. I, bre- I think Peaky Blinders is just an amazing bit of television. It I'm really, really glad I, mean, really I existed is. at the same time. All this stuff about the PTSD stuff, mm-hmm. and and um, it's obviously framed in 1920s Britain, um, working class Britain specifically, um, at least in the first few series. Mm. And, you know, this guy... And PTSD isn't, like, an accepted thing at this point in yeah. time. They call it shell shock, and then people were shot for running away. And then there's the guy, Whizbang, who yeah. keeps having these, these flashbacks and panic attacks um oh it's it's just a really really well done series and the music's really good the um the theme is a, a really brilliant blues song um tall handsome man in a dusty wild cold with a red right hand and there's loads of really great versions of that um funny enough the first version i ever heard of that was um in the film hellboy oh that's i remember good, that film that's a really uh, really odd odd little segue but um it was yes, just it fits so well with with that character. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's the use of music is is so good in that, and all these these wonderful moments when um, uh, amazing shots where where Tommy is walking through uh, um the uh, all the metalworks places and the sparks are coming off yeah. and the forges are going. Love it, love Mate, it. I'd use have loved to have been in that. In that. <laughs> also, funny oh funny story. Um, I got. I got half decent at doing a Birmingham accent after watching it. And nice. music tech boyfriend is from North London, but his family are from Birmingham. So we, I realised it really grosses him out if I do a Birmingham accent. Grim. Grim. <laughs> yeah. He's like, Love no, it. stop. Don't like it. <laughs> Don't like what, 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 what. Okay, oh, so blimey. what's your next big movie? Yeah, what, are, what are my my other big musical awake- awakenings? Again, I didn't see the first one first, though I love the first one more. Um, Blues Brothers. I mentioned this off off camera, off yes. uh, recording. And Blues Brothers was a, a thing. Now, when we were talking about musicals, because we we talked about um, albums that affected me growing up and, and musicals that affected you growing up, and I was I was thinking, well, maybe we should switch it around and I should do musicals that affected me. <gasps> and I was like, does does Blues Brothers count as a musical? I would argue. Okay, so I, people ask me this question a lot. I don't. People I'm not in charge of the people answer. People come up to you in the street and say, "Excuse me, is uh, yeah, Blues they do. Musical, they really do. Is it, uh, uh, yeah, they're like, you I seem can, can you you speak with authority. Give us an answer. Yeah, exactly. My my answer is, if the songs wouldn't have happened in real life, it's yeah. a musical. Yeah. So any film that so like if you look at like the Runaways, fucking great film by the way. Still not seen it. And a great band. But my point is. They sing as a band in the scene. They are a band yeah. on a stage performing. Or like um, we recently watched um, A Star Is Born. The only times they sing is is when you would sing in real life. They're performing or they're around the yeah. piano. And it's it's almost, it is very realistic. The, the most unrealistic thing is that like, you know, she gets pulled up onto the stage to sing and she's like perfectly sound checked. <laughs> but apart from that... It's you that stuff could happen in real life, yeah. but like La La Land, for example, yeah. you would not actually do a perfectly choreographed routine on a hilltop at sunset and know a song at the same I mean, time. Speak for yourself, but yeah, yeah, so, yeah, exactly. I mean, I would, but um, I consider that the differentiation. If the songs would not feasibly happen in real life, then I consider it a musical. That's my 
That's interesting. So Blues Brothers, I would argue, is a musical. That's that's an interesting um, way of looking at it because Blues Brothers is innately a very surreal film. It is very um, surreal. Very cartoonish, yeah. the cartoonish violence The nun that floats. Um, <laughs> oh, it's so good. Oh, my God, I forgot. I've got to watch that again uh, soon. I, I've, I only saw it a few weeks ago again because me and my brother loved it growing up. Um as I said, blues was always a big thing in my house. So um, the Blues Brothers for me is like a big, big Blues deal. Brothers was one of my brother, my older yeah. brother. It was like his favourite film when we were little kids. We, um, he was obsessed with it. I, I, I would be hesitant to call Blues Brothers a musical because the music wasn't written for it because the music is all, almost all, I believe. Actually, I think it's all pretty much music for... Yeah, other yeah, things yeah, that yeah. was already there i'm not sure actually but the way that the music is used so yeah but by that definition by that definition then you wouldn't call mamma mia a musical because it's all abba music but mamma yeah, mia is a musical. a musical that's very moulin rouge almost none of the songs are original but they you are oh, the use of music in moulin rouge oh my god how have i not brought this up it, i mean i've not seen that so there we go coleridge it's what it's potentially my favorite film of all time and the the reason i love it is because apart from Come What May, Come What May was actually written for Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet and then they didn't use it. So then they used it in Moulin Rouge. Uh, Fun fact. But apart from Come What May, all of the songs in Moulin Rouge already exist. And not only do they already exist, they're very fucking famous. It's got Roxanne. It's got... um, It's got... It's on the red light. Yeah, exactly. It's got such... It's got Queen. It's got so many huge already famous songs but they readapt it and they adjust it like in a way that makes you believe that it is that song was written for this musical and i think it That's is well stunning so the way that so roxanne is an example so the basic plot of moulin rouge a guy falls in love with a prostitute in france and they want to run away together kind of thing um but there's an issue because she's got this guy that she has to seduce to save the moulin rouge and keep them all um like in in work basically and he's like yeah i'll pay for everything but she's mine so it's very it's uh, it's beautiful anyway um so roxanne is a is a song about falling in love with some kind of sex worker isn't it yeah um you don't have to sell your body to the night and they adapt it into a tango and you've got this guy with this really uh, no. like rough voice Button. going Roxanne, and all the dancers go da da da, and it's fucking brilliant. The way that's that, pretty rad. And you would think that song was written for that exact moment in that film. You would not think it existed. Or, oh, it's just stunning. It's just oh, stunning. it's rad. It's good, isn't it? It's good. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. Um. No, Blues Brothers. Yeah. Blues Brothers me. is amazing. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. And and weirdly, as I. As when I first was watching those films, uh, I didn't know who they who the the, uh, the incredible cast of people were. And then as an adult, knowing much more about me- blues music specifically, but music in general and rock and roll and all those things, I'm suddenly going, "Oh, it's that guy, that yeah, guitarist, yeah. and that that you know that saxophonist, and all all, all that." And oh, that's BB King. I didn't realize that was BB King. And you Aretha know, Franklin. Got BB King. And Aretha. Who we all is got my hero? With Aretha. I oh love my her gosh, so much. she's so good. She's amazing. She's one of the best uh, singers of the last hundred, hundred years. years. Yeah, she she's really is. So so good, and everything about her is amazing. Yep. Aretha, I, yep. I just, I just, I, everyone got a party with Aretha. Yep. As Jack Black said in School of Rock, which is oh. also a musical. But like when um, she sings, think 
That isn't them on yeah, the stage. That. That's her. That's a musical moment when she sings Think. Um, another funny story regarding Music Tech Boyfriend, who is called Music Tech Boyfriend because he did a degree in audio engineering. And when I went to visit him at uni... And they changed his name. I me- Yes. I mentioned Blues Brothers and... Not he hadn't seen it, and I was like, "What? What and the I, fuck is that?" I know. I was like, "You've not seen Blues Brothers?" And then I went, "I mean, like Aretha Franklin's in it." And he looked at me like, "Who?" I nearly left him that day. I was like, <laughs> "I was like, I'm sorry." That's, that's what kind of insane. Not what? having heard of Aretha. I know. Um. Wow. And he comes. I'm he comes sure from a family that. that love rock music and have old vinyls and things like that. And it's like you. Better fucking know who Aretha Franklin is, anyway. <laughs> Aretha's Aretha's phenomenal. I just love her so much. Um, uh, so uh, gone through those. I mean, uh, I also uh, loved love westerns growing up, and that's a completely different kind of music that we're talking about here. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, Ennio Morricone, one of the best um, composers of all time, I think. Um, okay. Wrote the score for those those films, and and so. Westerns are weirdly inaccessible for some people. Now, in in 21st century um, film, we're used to things happening quickly and boom, 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 boom. Here's an interesting thing. My drummer, Luke, uh, I say my drummer, my my matey Luke. (laughs) My drummer. My drummer. It was was his birthday the other day, so happy birthday, Luke. Oh, happy birthday, Luke. Um, You little cockney bastard. Anyway. I thought you were just calling him a little um, cock. You little cock. Okay, you little cock. I would say those are both things I would say to him. Um, he uh, he loves all that Western stuff, but he can't access a lot of those films because for him he needs things happening all the time. So his favourite film of all time is Pulp Fiction because stuff happens all the time. Also, brilliant use of music in Pulp Fiction, by the way. Jeez, yes. oh my god! Oh my god, I love it so much. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Momentarily distracted. But for me, a lot of those big Western films, um, they have that slow burn thing. And interestingly, part of that was because of uh, people like Ennio Morricone doing the soundtracks. Because um, the guy who produced those... Why is his name gone from my head? The the ones, they worked so well together. Um, Ennio Morricone and Sergio Leone. All these uh, amazing Clint Eastwood films, uh, Spaghetti Westerns, they were called because it was cheaper to film in uh, in Italy than anywhere else. So is that why they're called uh, Spaghetti Westerns? I never knew that. Spaghetti Westerns because you they could afford to to film in Italy. They couldn't afford to film in in other places like Mexico and places. Yeah. So it was. Cheaper. I filmed so my called, film in yeah. Greece. <laughs> they're ding. called Ding Tink Tink. There you um, go. <laughs> included it <laughs> but yeah they and they hired loads of local italian guys who weren't really actors to be the background like the villages and stuff and that's why they're all like uh, overdubbed oh. and they're not like great actors they just, okay like, genuinely people. genuinely so you and i did extra work but we did extra work did, through yeah. a recognized experience extras agency and we worked on a studio for disney so it was very um yeah, yeah, yeah. very organized and they knew what they were doing they were good at crowd handling and continuity and all of that right we did there was a wedding scene in fishtails and i i still don't know why it was relevant but 
moving on there was a wedding scene and it was hilarious seeing how it got done my my dad and brother are in it because by because we're greedy can't we and they came out to visit me um and we happened to be doing night recording that night filming was really hard for me at such a young age because one of the things about i'll come back to it so we're doing the wedding scene and oh bless there was a girl who who was the script supervisor and a big part of the script supervisor's job is continuity so she used to like if we stopped filming for lunch or whatever she would take pictures of everything so like Mm. how does your hair look because we are mid we are mid scene and we need to make sure it flows and that poor woman had such a stressful time that evening with all of these we weren't even in mainland greece by the way we were on like a tiny island that you could walk around in a day do you know what i mean and we had all these locals um who just didn't know how to be professional and this that the other and greeks kind of aren't the like most polite of people <laughs> anyway like they just kind of do what they want and they move things around and i just remember her stampeding with these big boots and like her her cap and her lanyard you know like that kind of thing. grabbing chairs and trying to say to people because she was english this woman trying to say to greet people that has to stay there stop moving the chairs around because people oh wanted God. to sit with their mates in between takes and kept fucking up the set and also oh my God. Again, I can't remember why, but there's like a comedy moment where everything goes wrong and the bride ends up on fire. And uh, we had, we had, oh my gosh, one of the most exciting things about this film was the guys who did the stunts did the stunts for the original Pink Panther movies. Oh, wow. Which I was obsessed with. And so now I was 13 and you had Billy Zane, who is much more recognized by Hollywood and he's done all these movies. And I I knew him from some some of the big stuff like Titanic, but I didn't exactly like fangirl over him. And then you had this one guy who wasn't even famous in his own right he was a stunt double and then when we found out who he was because my mum used to my mum and I used to watch the old Pink Panther films when I was ill and I was sat there going so was it you that fell out the window and into the river he was like yep I was like was it you that was under the bed that collapsed he was like yep (laughs) I was like was it you that got hit in the back with a kick he was like yep because I was I loved this and yeah was we had a blast so yeah anyway there was a stunt in this wedding scene that he did actually no his his like business partner did the fire bit his specialty was being set on fire for a living for fuck's sake but um my point was we had we had breakaway chairs so we had these chairs that were designed not to be stable so that you could smash it over someone's head and it wouldn't hurt them and you best believe some local greeks just sat on them and broke them like three chairs got broken by extras it was it was a hot mess like the the final scene ended up being funny there was one camera shot oh my goodness where the woman playing the bride she's in a strapless dress and there's a shot where she's dancing and she's jumping up and down and she looks down the camera camera and says her line and there's one take where full-on boob fell out <laughs> full-on and the woman she i don't she either didn't notice or didn't care and she's looking right down the barrel of the camera dancing and one of them is just like this just falling all over the poor woman obviously that didn't make it into the oh final my cut gosh. <laughs> so oh, there you go so i don't know how we got there but night filming extra we were talking about extras you it's were saying right. how we're gonna we're gonna i'm gonna make that into a segue i'm gonna make that into a segue and don't you worry because i might have already told you this story before but i'll do it very quickly think about continuity in film yes as you know uh, a brilliant series of films with the best music as i've said before is lord of the rings yeah, and yeah i talked about continuity i don't know if i've told you this specific story but 
because I'm such a huge fan. You know the scene where the four hobbits are crying mm-hmm. when uh, when when Frodo gets on the ship and goes out to to Valinor. Over, oh, over I the see. West. Right at the end. So so right at the very end, they filmed that over like two or three days. Oh, really? Yeah. Here's the reason why: because they had to scrap one of the days because they did a whole day of crying, relentless crying. Yeah. And they all were just doing it and they were exhausted. It is exhausting, and, yeah. And the thing was, they didn't realise that in the meantime, they'd gone on lunch halfway through, unbuttoned their top buttons. And no and one did it back up. And they didn't They didn't know until the end of the day when they re-looked over, over, over everything. Yeah. And so they had to do a whole day of it again. Well, that's and they exactly, were just yeah. falling apart because they've been crying, which is exhausting all day. It is exhausting. Um, I mean, little tip for... Uh, film work because when you do theatre work like you're so in it 100% of the time because it's live little tip for film work that I believe I um I first heard it in a documentary about Julie Walters um but I think Michael Caine gave her the tip I can't remember but I love the, Michael the, Caine. oh love the guy but the the, fra- the phrase he used was save it for the take don't cry in the rehearsal no because you're going to exhaust yourself like build it up save it and then when the camera's on then you do what you got to do i remember bless because i was really young there was a day where i got really upset with myself on on the film set because i just things just kept going wrong i tripped up halfway through a take i dropped my accent halfway through a take it just was all going wrong and i was this i was a i was a kid who wanted to do a good job and on this particular day we were filming in a cave so they had to really minimize um the, the, the amount of people that could go down into the cave yeah, yeah, course, for oxygen yeah. reasons and safety reasons so my mum wasn't there for this yeah, for this yeah. couple of hours couple of hours my mum wasn't there and I like started crying because I kept making mistakes and I just got really upset with myself because yeah. I wasn't being a good enough grown-up actor kind of thing yeah. and Kelly Brook was playing this mermaid and poor woman she's like lying with her stomach on this sand with her feet with her legs in this huge um makeshift mermaid yeah, tail yeah, yeah, and yeah. she was the one that clocked that i was upset Aww. so like she's looking at me and she can see the the little girl holding back tears she was like are you okay and i was like i just keep going and i got all upset and she literally was like right and she grabbed the people in charge of her costume she was like can i get out of this please she was lovely about it but she literally said to the director she was like me and amber are gonna take a minute and what um, a legend. i know what no, a legend. she was what she's so kind like she's got her she, i mean i've never heard a bad word said about her but you really honestly she was so lovely she was like right we're taking a minute and she had she had on the mermaid bra and then these little black pants that like bottoms that she yeah, would yeah. have on in the thing and the water like came in through the cave so we we would climb in through like a hole yeah yeah set up the the set but the the ocean kind of came oh sorry the ocean like came in through an opening so there was like a mini yeah, beach yeah, in yeah, there yeah. and we like went for a little walk in the water she was like right yeah. because it was the only way we could get privacy because there were all yeah, these course, yeah, cameramen yeah. and sound guys and whatever and she was like right me and amber need a second and she like we just went walking waist deep into the ocean and she was like how many times have you seen me mess up? How many times have they had to reset for me? Mm. How many times have I had to do another take? It's okay. It's what it's for. Don't worry. Yeah. And she was so, what a nice so woman. lovely. What a nice woman. Yeah, she was, she was an so absolute... Nice. When you're a thir- I was a 13-year-old girl with absolutely no peers around me. And Kelly was a really good like filler for that. She gave me like that 
girl energy and that kind of yeah. slightly like, slightly youthful teenage girl energy and it was really yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. Women's That's lovely. Cool. That's nice. How She's nice. on our list of, of niceies. She's so nice. She also, last thing about how great she is, oh, it was the best thing. After filming, a month or two later, the BAFTAs were doing an award ceremony specifically for kids' films. And that year, Kelly was announcing one of them and she brought me with her. She she didn't she didn't bring someone of her so own. Sweet. She didn't bring Billy Zane, who she was fucking engaged to. She was like, no, I'm gonna bring the little girl that I just made Aww. a film with, who's gonna have the best night. So it was Kelly Brook, me, and my mom. My mom was livid because when we sat down and the place setting said Kelly Brook, Amber Sava, Amber Sava's guest. <laughs> my mum was like, fuck off, Amber Sava's guest. guest. I'm not a guest. <laughs> I'm your mum. I was like, yes, mummy. But Amber yeah, Sava's mum. Kelly um, took me to this BAFTA ceremony for kids' films, and I met the Weasleys. I met, oh, wow. I met people who were in X Factor that year, and I met people who were in the Line the Witch in the Wardrobe films. I had the best night. A thirteen-year-old girl who Aww. wanted to be an actor. Mallory Blackman was there, who is oh, one wow. of my favorite writers as a kid. She wrote the Noughts and Crosses books, and yeah, she yeah, was yeah. like laureate for kids' novels. I literally was just like, ah, the whole night. All because Kelly was considerate enough to go, she's going to really love this. That's nice. That's super sweet. Super sweet. Yeah, as I've said, grew up um, listening to, uh, you know, all, all this film music. It really, really inspired me. And we've talked about, you know, Howard Shaw. I don't know if I said it again, but I said last week, Howard Shaw wrote the Lord of the Rings soundtrack, which is an opera and it's amazing. And if you listen to just the soundtracks, you can work out where in the film you are because he synced everything up so perfectly. And, um, you know, talked about Ennio Morricone. Uh, I don't think we talked about Hans Zimmer. He's one I love. John Williams is another one I love. I mean, uh, you kind of have to love them, home. don't you? They, you, yeah. you love them without knowing. Hans Zimmer and John Williams have done everything well, yeah you don't you don't realize um well you oh. do realize with john williams because after a while everything sounds like john williams if john williams did it yeah and he, he basically he's a master of um not ripping off but sounding like other famous composers so right. you you listen to bits of star wars and you go oh that's like holst or something you know holsts the planets and things like that yeah and um He's really good at pastiche. And um, you realise that, you know, bits of Indiana Jones and bits of Star Wars and stuff sound sound very similar. And, oh, my God, the most amazing soundtracks. Indiana Jones. Um, and I say Star Wars, you know, um, Jaws. I mean, we need to mention Star Wars because, I mean, it might partially be because I loved it as a little kid. So there's that nostalgia hit. But, like, every time the credit sequence starts, I you know, because music, okay, I, you're going to phrase this better than me, but music really is, is a physical thing, right? There's a reason yeah, yeah, yeah. that different people like different vibrations and different yep. beats and different speeds and whatever. Music Ev moves you. It, it moves physically you. moves you. And the op every time there's that start of like that beginning note, my solar plexus has a tiny orgasm. It's like, oh, it's time. I might, I might have to watch them all again. I am um, because yeah. I'm a purist. I haven't seen Star Wars in quite a, a long time. Uh, there's there's a couple of reasons for that. One, for films I truly love, I don't watch them too much. Um, so uh, some of my favourite films like Hotel Rwanda or um, Zulu. I love Zulu. Some people don't like Zulu, obviously, for, for reasons that I totally empathise with. Um, but I think it's a really put, well put together film. Um, 
and Star Wars is one of those. And the problem is that because George Lucas did so much tinkering with Star Wars, the Star Wars that I could watch now on Disney Plus is not the Star Wars I watched as a child. And for instance, there's loads of music in that, like um, at the very end of the first trilogy, um, there's a thing where the Ewoks are celebrating. So the Ewoks are the little fairy people, and they do a song called Yub Nub. Yup nub, he shop, yup nub. Da 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 Yup nub. Right, it's fucking great. It's so good. But the thing is that, you know, they wrote the Ewoks in to be adorable. They're the Jar Jar Binks of the original trilogy, right? But I still loved them. I was a kid, okay? And he got rid of that. I totally agree with everything you just said. I get why people get mad at them, but I was a kid and I loved them. And also, when you're a little kid, I didn't understand everything in Star Wars because of just how young I was. But I understood the Ewoks. They're on their little line. They've got their sticks. (laughs) And the thing is that even though it's kind of a joke, if if you if you don't treat them as a joke, there's quite serious shit happening. People have come into their land and built loads of shit and kind of, you know, kind of exterminated them a bit. You know, that's what the Empire is. The Empire was always supposed to be uh, representative of colonialism and imperialism and particularly the Nazis. Um but um that's a whole thing that it's it's all that's why the uniforms look like 90 uh, look like 1930s and 40s german uniforms that's why they look like that um and why they're called stormtroopers because stormtroopers is, is sturmtrooper the, the i just mispronounced it entirely but stormtrooper is, is is what the german troopers were called so um oh it's really interesting really well put together and that's why the marches it's all very prize, precise and, and hits on the thing and it's all about um, militaristic stuff and that's you know something that you can explore that through music I want to ex- explore um, something that's uh, an empire that is very very military focused and thus I can write a piece of music that perfectly expresses that without anyone have to saying anything about yeah, it you know what yeah, I mean yeah absolutely um, and um Oh, I love it. I love it. So, yeah, that whole thing George Lucas tinkered with Star Wars, which you may know, uh, all the nerds know about it, but basically he kept and kept changing it. And in the end, what you what you see now has also some beautiful music. But it isn't and, original but, A New Hope. And it's just a bit sad for yeah. me. No, I agree. Um, I agree. The only way so, to watch the original A New Hope is if you still have it on video from the 80s, genuinely. Yeah, which, fortunately... Um, I do have it somewhere. I just have it. It's on VHS. Yeah, somewhere it's in my somewhere house. at my parents' house. Yeah. You know? And weirdly, I've got all the adverts from the 80s. Because this was in the era where you just taped everything off TV. So I've got all these 80s adverts. And there's here's a really weird bit of meta stuff that's totally unrelated, but really wonderful. There is an advert there for a type of VHS that they were um, uh, selling at the time. And they were saying, listen, loads of other VHS tapes, when you record, it all kind of fades away and goes shit after a few years, but this tape won't. And they were right because it's recorded on that tape. Nice. <laughs> you see, um, and it's, it's really interesting seeing all those adverts from those periods in time. Also, advert music is 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 an interesting thing that changed over the last uh, kind of 10, 15 years because it used to be that people wrote jingles for things, and now they just p- take a piece of popular music that everyone knows, like "Let It Shine." Remember that? And now that's all in in all the supermarket. I can't remember which supermarket. I have this game I but, play with you know. adverts because actually adverts use musical theatre a lot. So when yeah, an, do, yeah. when an advert is playing something from a musical. I will turn to whoever's next to me and go name the musical to try and make the point of how much they do it. Like there was a chip advert that had food, glorious food, and there's yeah, loads, yeah. chim chimney, all of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Always. they take. Uh, they've realised that. Um, the, they've realised the same thing that the film industry realised is that nostalgia 
is Works. a huge source of income for them. It's why they keep remaking films that I wish they wouldn't remake, like Same. Lion King. Oh my god, you I know. know. Um, there's there's quite a lot of films I just refuse to see, and that Same. sounds really silly, but I I can't. Fr- Lion King is the big one. If we're going to talk about music and film, then Lion King is like. It's huge. Thing, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It's the star of it, um, isn't it? Yeah. I believe Hans Zimmer worked with Elton John on that. So Elton John did Can You Feel the Love Tonight? I believe Hans Zimmer did the soundtrack for that. I will quickly look that up because I've got that in front of me. Um, Lion King. Yeah, works include the Lion King. Um, that's... Lion King was another big for me awakening musical oh, awakening thing. Oh my god! I, of course. I wanted to be Simba so bad. It was the even first musical I ever saw live. live, and just absolutely incredible, incredibly well put together. It really um, was, yeah. And that's why I, I was heartbroken when they remade it because there was uh, for me you can't get a film more perfect than that. Genuinely, yeah. like yeah. you've got a, a charismatic villain, you've got a um, a hero who you are desperate to see succeed and who's been through so much and you're with them the whole way and then you've got all this stuff about parenthood and yep. the circle of life thing is the thing about you know it's a, it's sad but it's it's what we have to do and, and parents give goes, way to their yeah. children and then parents have to disappear and it's about loss and grief and the music and, is phenomenal and phenomenal. yeah and so much joy is in that film you know another why, really yeah. good example of the point you're making is when they remade rocky horror now god they remade that i didn't yeah. even know so rocky Why Ho- would you so, bother? so the one thing that i kind of like about it is that it it expanded to include um a trans actor in this famously okay. queer film laverne cox is so oh, famous yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. and she did um she was in orange is the new black and she played frankenfurter and i like that detail that it's expanding because some people are like yeah but the original he wasn't trans he was a transvestite but the- and i was like yeah but but the Rocky Horror Picture Show were exploded. It's about embracing all that. Exactly. All that, that, so that I, part of the that, world, you know. That detail, I, can, I love. I can get that. I, really, I mean, I don't, think, I don't think they should have remade the film. But this is that, the thing. But, that's, but, you know, that's, my that's point. a cool thing to have done. So like, I think the way that they did that detail, I like. But the concept of remaking Rocky Horror, the reason... Can you hear that? There's a siren going past my house. No, that's cool. Okay. Someone told me recently wait, wait. they'd like Lord, Lord of the Rings remade with black and LGBT characters. And I thought, why would you remake that? Like, I'm really, but really it's such pro. a masterpiece. This is like, so anyway. Yeah, that's the, that, yeah. So Rocky, also you can make new stuff and make yeah, it expand. It, it, that's what frustrates me is no one's making new things anymore. And there's just no issue. Stuff. I see no issue in, in having like a black James Bond because James Bond is this continuously growing and changing canon. And that's fine for me. I but with Rocky Horror, Rocky Horror is so unique. Rocky Horror is the, is the epitome of the cult movie. So remaking it is just such an oxymoron to me because yeah. you, you'd either be trying to do exactly what it did the first time which is pointless or completely changing something that is so perfect and unique the way it is it's yeah. lose lose to me it's it's terrible it's it's awful and it's what, what i said about the lord of the rings thing uh, the, the reason it came up is that someone said can you imagine how bad it would be if lord of the rings was made now and we're into phase four of the lord of the rings universe and now they're going to make a uh you know yeah. a thing with 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 all these big american actors that are huge names that you just it's not it's not doesn't belong i would say Um, the fantasy stories have got i mean i was gonna say great fantasy with um 
LGBTQ community stuff. Um, well, that was what I was going to say. Fantasy as a story is great because you're not restricted by historical precisely. context or people looking relate. You can you can make anyone whatever color and shape and size you exactly. like. Yeah. Um, but that. then also, have you seen Bridgerton? One thing I massive. Still not. One thing I really respect about Bridgerton, right? Scene one, it looks very Victorian. The character who is playing the queen, like an equivalent of Queen Victoria, is black. First scene, they're saying directly to the audience, we're not doing this. We are not making this all white just because it's a period drama. Deal with it. And you just go, okay, great. So it is still very doable, but we but we digress. John, we're gonna I'm gonna race through some some topics that are please just do. I'll just let you brain. go. No, it's cool. So um, Doctor Who's always been really good at that, and they 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 just um, they take a little bit of liberty with the past, and they also take advantage of the fact that we kind of misunderstand the past. Um, you know about um about race because there were black people living in Britain for hundreds of years before slavery. The the problem is that um we now we now look at, at this through this horrible lens of all the awful stuff that britain did and loads of western countries all this colonialist stuff um but there were black people living around so they they get to take a bit of that and um doctor who does it really well and doctor who has brilliant music um i i was a huge fan of murray gold who wrote all the music uh for the most recent iteration of doctor who until quite recently and for me it just drops off because basically you had all these um amazing themes i will hum one of them for you this amazing theme which is um it's called the doctor's theme and it's it's to do with it whatever he's having some real emotional moment and there's this whole thing about the doctor about not really expressing his emotions um kind of for fear because he's so in- intense underneath and all this stuff oh it's really good but he dropped off just as the jodie whittaker series was starting um and i think partially pe- people aren't a fan of the jodie whittaker series and people very unfairly blame Jodie Whittaker for it and actually don't think it's her. They changed the writer and they changed the musician who was making uh, all the background music all the way through. And I genuinely, truly believe that when you change music in a film or TV series... Any kind of, yeah, canon. It can it can really mess things up. Yeah. Here's a really big example for that for me, is I watched... I've seen all the Harry Potter films. I'm sure you've seen all of them, haven't you? Of course. Um, if you watch up until three, all the music's great, and after three, it's like, oh something's going on here they've still got that amazing theme john williams but some reason the music doesn't sit right anymore and there's less of that wonder and less of that um oh wow what is this magical stuff that's happening all the time it's because they changed composer for the fourth film there's one detail to the final harry potter movie where the use of music is beautiful though Mm -hmm. which is so obviously it's not bad it's just not john williams no i know (laughs) but just since we mentioned harry potter there's a really beautiful detail to the last harry potter film so obviously seven part one they're not at hogwarts anymore and through most of seven part two they're not at hogwarts and then when they get harry gets like found by um by neville and snuck back in and they go through a passageway and when he comes out of the passageway he sees all his childhood friends he sees seamus and and luna and you hear um one of the harry potter themes that you haven't actually heard since all the way back in the first one I think it's um oh which one is it? Is it da, 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 da. That, one. that one. And it actually and that's very intentional. It's Harry kind of feeling home 
at home mm. and safe with his friends that he's known for years and it makes the audience kind of have a, a huge feeling of relief yeah, and a yeah. huge feeling of familiarity and it's very intentional and it's well, done is, beautifully really well done um the um i i do sometimes wonder if the reason they changed composer because i don't know maybe john williams just got bored or he got stuck doing it you know and he had like because john williams is so in demand you know true um, yeah so or or has been uh was i don't know if he died recently john williams not sure um but uh i wouldn't be surprised if they'd chosen someone else to do a different kind of darker kind of soundtrack simply because the tone of the films is deliberately you know the, the books is written to get darker and darker and darker yes it's really about you grow about up adulthood. with harry yeah there's it's stuff about adulthood and losing the innocence and the wonder of being a child and you know it's really sad because in the first book and the first film i suppose for me it's it's really about the books because that's what yeah, you know yeah. we me and you are very lucky to have grown up in a unifying literature literary literary event because um everyone everyone read the harry potter books and we were there as they were coming out yeah so that, exactly. that doesn't really happen apart from like with dickens and shakespeare like that doesn't really happen for everyone a unifying thing kind of with 50 shades of gray i guess eh, but, no <laughs> but or maybe maybe dan brown and da vinci code but even then i know yeah. lo- there has know, not been a book there series wasn't a unifying thing like that harry we all, potter yeah, yeah um yeah and I, I i was doing creative writing at university um and we talked about this and basically my my lecturer said the only time this has happened in the last few hundred years is with charles dickens there's no other writer that actually happened with um and i think that's why it's a social commentary thing but i think that's why a lot of us were so disillusioned when jk rowling started saying things on twitter that everyone was like that's that's not nice because we grew up with this thing that, yeah. that she had created that really means so much to people of our generation. And people younger than us just don't care. It's really weird because, like, all of us were just like, oh, I love Harry Potter. Yeah, it's a huge thing. Oh, what house are you? And now loads of Zoomers hate it. Yeah, <laughs> really yeah. Funny. The next generation, like, oh my God, shut up. We don't care that you're a Hufflepuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're sick of us. So we, so we talked about uh, things going right in film. And there's something I. When you really start to analyze things in film with music you start realizing things that aren't great um and uh, i'm a huge nerd and i love the marvel films right and originally it wasn't great with those films um and it, it gradually got better because there was only one theme um that that tied it all together which is that one right yeah but you can't really think of any any more um when you try and think of famous bits of music from the marvel films and that was true for about 10 years and still until they started making loads of films all the time and they kind of found their feet with it um i still love them i love all of those films um even the ones that are crap are better than the dc ones in my opinion <laughs> but um we spoke off camera about thing something that you didn't like in a marvel film to do with music and i wondered if you wanted to talk about that and talk about why because there's something that you do like and you want to talk about it so i'm i'm, I'm shoving this right over to you and then i can okay. argue with you can you make like a weird sound effect for like unpopular opinion warning <laughs> unpopular opinion warning <laughs> hang on hang on I'll, I'll wait i'll say that again without you laughing unpopular opinion warning continue i don't think guardians of the galaxy is very good i said it well you can fuck off okay two arguments <laughs> in one episode <laughs> 
Okay, I I will I will attest I will admit that part of it might be that it got I overhyped to me. Something yeah. being overhyped to you is can ruin your experience of a film. And someone yeah, told course, me I'd yeah. absolutely love it, and then I watched it and I was like, what? Well, you shouldn't do now, that. The good things, the good things about Guardians of the Galaxy. It's quite witty and fun. Yeah, cool. But that that does not a movie make. I would argue the plot consists. That does not a movie make. It does not a museum. <laughs> a museum make. It does not. Um, yeah, so that doesn't make the film. That should be the extra thing. I think the plot is just a string of cliches thrown together. I hate Groot. I'm sorry. I don't like Groot. I care so much more about Chewie than I ever will about Groot. Stop trying. So then the thing that people love about it, they go, oh, but their use of music is amazing. Right. They chose a very good playlist. I will I will totally admit that. I got most excited, yes, when songs I like came up. That doesn't mean, again, that doesn't mean that they applied it the, all that brilliantly. They just took some crowd-pleasing music and threw it in over montages. And I don't think that's very creative. And I think that if you want to look at an amazing use of a playlist and actually using it to heighten a film that's already very good and original, you need to look at Baby Driver. Baby Driver achieved what a lot of people seem to suggest Guardians of the Galaxy achieved. Um, so the basic plot of Baby Driver, you've not seen it, have you, Cole? No, I've not. So the main character has got tinnitus. So he he lives oh, listening right. to music. And he does also like... just keep it out all the time. Kind of, yeah. So yeah. he was in a crash as a little kid. He could never get rid of the sounds in his ears, this, that, the other. Um, and so, and he ends up kind of in with the sharks he has to pay off a debt to some mobsters and he becomes their getaway driver so you so that's the plot the plot gets more complex but i don't want to give away too much yeah but like things like when they're they're robbing a bank in the first scene oh just look up the first scene cole it's so good and he literally will play the song and be like okay go because he's timed his choice of song to their plan and it all adds and that's the thing it's it's done brilliantly and like it's so cool and fresh and and yeah cool is just the best word it's really it's really done well and it's trendy and it's interesting and it's varied and i just think baby driver does with music something way more impressive than guardians of the galaxy i think that i mean guardians of the galaxy was charming but kind of lazy and rested on its charm and i know i'm not the only one i'm not going to name other podcasters and youtubers but i've seen i i had this opinion and knew it was and had people always disagreed with me and then me and me and my other half we watch like little youtube videos that analyze marvel movies and rank them and whatever and i they've seen them go you know you can't just be kind of funny and think that makes a good film and the editing will show you guardians of the galaxy really quickly so i know i'm not the only one but yeah i just i think it's so over hyped well i can see you've made uh a lot of really good points and i think all of your points are really well made but um, but but fuck you um <laughs> okay so um i i, I there, there's there's some some things i liked um about that one i i i fucking love music 
I honestly I just love music. Love music. I just fucking and love so, music. Um, they they specifically took varied genres of music for a very very specific time period. They did. Why is that really good? Well, it specifically harks back to a point in time when this character was born. Yeah. And the whole point of, of that playlist is that it's the songs that his dying mother gave him. Yeah. And and he had no he had nothing he had from nothing home else. at yep. all. He had yep. nothing at all. I get and it. So his only way to relate to other human beings is that he has this music so his yep. whole personality is dependent on this music um that 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 he 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 loves so much and his whole outlook on other people um is slightly infantile and and um you know it it's it's uh off basic tropey ideas and how he relates to other people so all these all these silly love songs and all this stuff um and it's tremendously sad and i think they explore it really well in the second one now you are absolutely right it's full of random just american one-liner jokes all right you are so totally right and i don't right? hate it for like, that that's and, fine and remember but that's... that's the reason i don't watch most american sitcoms because that kind of humor usually gets on my tits see right? i don't it's mind reason... that humor i just well, don't think that's enough well you know it's fine it's fine it's fine i'm more into things like blackadder brilliant soundtrack but um <laughs> interestingly the soundtrack to blackadder was written by someone who went to my school but um no uh you're you're totally totally right and it's a very pulpy like it's not high art and you shouldn't you know pretend that it is um for me i'm also a huge nerd and I know who the Guardians of the Galaxy are and I knew who they were before the film came out. Now, okay. they actually achieved something really well with Marvel in that film, in that all the other Marvel films are, up until that point, were characters that you had already heard of to some point. So Iron Man, people think that no one knows who Iron Man is, but for, for people like me, we grew up watching the Iron Man cartoon in the 90s all the time, the X-Men cartoons and things like that. A lot of Marvel stuff was about. The Marvel heroes were never as big as the DC ones, you know, Superman and and and, uh, and Batman and stuff. Spider Man was there as a Marvel one, but um, they managed to get these characters who I already knew and loved be from being a nerd, and they made this film where they they did them quite well. Um, Groot has always been like that, um, a bit more scary in the comics uh, typically. Um, but they decided to make a kind of kiddie, infantile type film with it. And I just really enjoyed it. You know, oh, I, I can't take really that away from fucking you. Fucking fun. And uh, I admit it's I loved, fun. It's uh, fun. Uh, and uh, there's, there's some use. And uh, as I said before, I'm a bit critical of use of music in Marvel films. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, I'm not. In fact, it set off a trend uh, that, that was not good um, because people realized they could do that thing from Baby Driver. Because even I knew about Baby Driver and the, and the funny, fun music thing. And then they tried it in Suicide Squad. And everyone's like, oh, they play ballroom blitz during a fight scene. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's not. And and what you know, but um, but that's exactly again, how I feel. No, no, no. You're you're totally you're totally right. Um, but I think that the Guardians of the Galaxy uses quite well because it's telling you something about the character all the way through, and that's why it's so important to him. And he goes back for he goes back for that cassette. He gets so angry I, when other I people handle it. I get the plot it. point that it's so, important to him and it's all he has. But like I said, I just I think they had some nice ideas, but those ideas should have been adding to the film. They shouldn't have been the film. Do you see what I no, mean? No, I can, I can totally see that. I'm not going to argue that Guardians of the Galaxy is high art, okay? <laughs> That's not something I'm here to do. But I often but I like fun. just rollicking good films. You know? yeah, it's not it's, it's not one that I rewatch. Now, here's a really good use of a popular piece of music in a Marvel film is um, Immigrant Song in Thor Ragnarok, which is yes. probably the best one. Thor Ragnarok is, for me, a fucking amazing film. Um, it's because uh, what's his name? What's the name of the 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 the, the Kiwi the director? 
He oh, plays Cork oh, I love in the, him. In the film. He he um, did he did Jojo Rabbit. In the shadows. What you do in the shadows? Jojo yeah, yeah, Rabbit. Yeah. Um, he's brilliant. Um, he managed to take that Marvel. We're just gonna have wacky, fun things with jokes, and it's gonna be bright and colourful and stuff. But also, there's this, this Taika oh, Waititi. Okay, so Taika Waititi. The, what you might not know about Thor Ragnarok is that it's a composite of very, very famous Marvel storylines. Okay, uh, particularly one called Oh shit, is it Planet Hulk or Hulk? I think it's Planet Hulk. So there's a, there's a Marvel plotline uh, where the Hulk gets trapped on a planet and he gets thrown into a Roman arena and he has to fight his way out, basically. And the that's best bit the plot, of the film. Yeah. That's the plot of Thor Ragnarok. And he, he faces um, a character called, who you won't know called Beta Ray Bill, who has the same powers of Thor because of, he picked up the hammer once, right? And he, he became a similar thing. Okay, so basically the whole fight is actually something from the comics and there is a really good animated film by the way there's a guy called guy uh michael moore who um does a thing called think space education who wrote the music for a lot of those marvel uh, animated films which are mostly on netflix worth checking out um really really good composer really really great he, he can teach you a lot of interesting stuff even without paying for a course go on his youtube thing look up guy michael moore g-u-y-m-i-c-h-e-l-m-o-r-e really really interesting and it'll teach you a lot of interesting stuff so that's a thing that you can bring from this to your own you know music people at home but he managed to compose all this different stuff um from from the Taika Waititi managed to compose all this different stuff, put it together and make a really good cohesive thing. And the use of music with Immigrant Song, because obviously Immigrant Song is about the Vikings and it was all about Thor not understanding something that, as a Marvel nerd, I knew from the start is that it was his power and it was about him self-actualizing and he doesn't need other other stuff are you the god of him. hammers you know that thing, are yeah. you the god of hammers and then and then there's this amazing bit and he jumps off the thing and he goes Rah! and then the lightning comes out and he goes fucking great okay oh my god so that's really good we I were love that. we were a bit messy today you guys we're sorry but we took on a really big yeah. topic without even realizing how big it would be um, we didn't even talk about hans zimmer and pirates of the caribbean Oh, mate. I think, do you know what? I think we're going to have to just call time of death, man. Yeah, we've, we will. We we've, will. We've really varied. It would be really fun if I could think of just one more fun tidbit from making, from acting in a film. We had a lot of fun in, in like the hair and makeup department because it was, again, it was kind of like the, the private girly area. It would be where like, because Kelly had to have... um a mermaid bra put on so she had to take a lot of her she had to take her top half off while it got stuck down it was just our fun little space and there were just loads of little stories that came out of it like um there was one woman who was from like just outside liverpool i believe and um she she was so great i i've kept in touch with her she does hair and makeup she's done loads she actually helped me get work experience um helping with hair in the west end afterwards anyway she was really fun and she and my mom got on really well as like the northern english birds and then there was um a really sweet kind of cutesy little greek girl who would do hair and makeup on location in greece and she was like um to to, to my mom and this other english one she was like i want to learn some actual english phrases oh my god <laughs> Oh no. And the English ones were teaching her all the like northern ways to slag someone off. Some that I can't repeat on here. But she that's literally so would funny. she would be there practicing. She'd be like, You're a mouth you're not mouth, that's a different one that I can't say. She was like, You're a face, look like slapped us. <laughs> <laughs> 
You look like bulldog chewing wasp. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, you gotta have fun. Oh A funny thing about languages, not even related to music at all or film or anything, is that I used to work until recently with a woman who's originally from Italy. Yeah. And she loves uh food from all over the world and she makes uh katsu curry. I love katsu curry. Yeah, here's the problem is that katsu uh in Italian means a word that's as bad Katso. as the worst word. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 so, yeah I know this. So she was like t- trying to tell her friends, you know, "Hey, what are you making for dinner tonight? I'm making curry." Yeah. I'm making curry. It literally translates to penis, but it's used as it's as their like, like, like the C word, yeah. As their yeah, uh, uh, I I hear it more often cuz so I worked in a restaurant with loads of Italian people and they said it all the time all yep. the time it was just their yep. fuck like che cazzo would be like yep. what the fucking but it, yeah, it, yeah, yeah it's a big italian yeah, swear yeah. word exactly so that's a bit of fun because her, her family are quite uh, her friends at home are quite prim so you know she'd be worried about saying hey i'm making a curry full of dicks <laughs> yeah basically <laughs> and i'm making a that, dick curry <laughs> <laughs> and with that I think that's a good little note to send Yeah, off. let's leave it curry. there. My gosh, yeah. I, I imagine people listening are, are exhausted after this I mean, episode. I know I am. Oh, I'm sorry. Especially after the arguing. Well, we hope God. you had fun. We I hope like you enjoyed. I of the galaxy. I'm so hurt. Oh, anyway, <laughs> thanks so much for listening, you guys. Sorry. If you want Thank to get you. in touch. Please get in touch with us at riffsandscripts at gmail.com. Or you can look at our Instagram, Riffs and Scripts Pod. Otherwise, we will see you next week when we have another guest, I believe. Yeah, I'm going to try and sort it out. Someone from my little sphere of the world. Someone you've definitely uh, heard of uh, a thousand times. You've definitely heard of been listening to our (laughs) podcast. Um, Problem is I can't get him sorted out with a mic because he only uses it to play guitar in. So um, he just plugs his guitar straight into his computer. So we will sort it out anyway. See you next week, guys. My name has been Cole Bryan. My name has been Amber Sava and it still is Amber Sava. Anyway. Until next week on Riffs and Scripts. Bye. And we're back. And we're back. So um, <laughs> I just saw you pick up a crisp and then go, oh, never mind. Eat the crisp, yeah, mate. I know. Do I've it. Been, I've been I've been eating them like this. I know. I've watched. You could make you crunching it. The post. Delicious. <laughs>